Blog Talk Radio. I hope that you guys are all having a wonderful, exciting, powerful morning, and I am so excited to be here with you today. Well, as you know, we get a do-over today. Every day that we wake up, every moment of every day, that we recognize that maybe we didn't get it right, we didn't get it 100, we didn't get it 99, guess what? We have a chance to do it over. So there's never a reason why we should feel as though we can't because every moment of every day, as long as we are alive, we get a do-over. But as you know, we want to begin with a word of prayer. We want God to be the honored guest. We want him to speak to us, through us. We want to have our eyes of our hearts open so that we can receive from the Lord this morning. So let's jump in and pray for those who are listening on demand, those who are listening online, those who are calling in and listening live. So we want to make sure we cover you in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. We are so thankful to be here in your presence. You know, every day we are allowed to receive your mercy, your sunshine, your rain, upon us, Father God, as the life of this earth begins to flourish. So we thank you for allowing us to partake. We thank you for allowing us to really see your glory. As it says in Romans chapter 1, we can look at the things around us. We can look at nature and see that you exist. Father God, I thank you for those who are listening online. I know a number of people are. Those who have called in to listen live on the show today. Father God, I just pray a special blessing on each and every one of them that you just, you know what they need. You know where their hearts are. You know their struggles. You know their relationship issues, family, kids, health, financial. There are a myriad of things that we as humans go through on the course of any given day. And I just ask, Father God, that you would steal their emotions right now, steal their minds, quiet them, Father God, so that they can hear you speaking because you are always speaking. It may not be what we want to hear, but you are always speaking. So, Father God, prepare their hearts to hear from you this morning. Prepare their hearts to hear from you throughout this day so that you can bring the answer to their solution or the, the, the solution to their situation because we know that you have it. You know, you're not scratching your head trying to figure out what's going on in their life or how did it happen. 
you created them, and when you did, you knew this day was come, and therefore an solution exists. So we thank you for that, God. I thank you for those who are listening on demand and will listen later to this show. I pray that it bless them, Father God, for those who are seeking to know you, not religion, not denomination, but to know you personally, Father God. I pray that something that I will say will begin to spark their heart to have a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. Now, Father, as we jump in to continue part two of our discussion on distractions this week, Father God, I just pray that you uh, just minister to me. Say what you want me to say. Let me say what's going to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, and that will help people establish and encourage their lives to move forward and to go on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I hope that you guys are having an awesome day. We've said that. If you live in California, then you are preparing for all of the rain that we are going to receive today. It's like a deluge that we're going to receive. And if you're out and about, I pray that you are safe, drive slow, leave early, and uh, take your time. If you are in other parts of the United States with the cold, uh, it's beautiful. And I pray that you guys are safe also. Let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to do a little recap of what we talked about last week on distractions and mentioned some of those uh, scriptures that we discussed. And there were some things that I really didn't get a chance to get to, and I would like to spend a few moments recapping and taking us in. So we really talked last week about how are you distracted by your pain and worshiping God when life hurts. And then that was last week. And then this week we're talking about distracted by your pain how to handle your emotions when life hurts. So how do we worship God when we go through pain? And it's a choice. You know, we know that. It's understanding that uh, we want to start by knowing that we are a believer, that we're not a spectator in this relationship with God. It's not an arbitrary thing like, oh, I'm a Christian, but yet it's, like a badge that you wear, but nothing that transcends every area of your life. And we said it's not a social club. I mean, it's not something that you do on Monday, Wednesday, or, you know, and and maybe Sunday and sing in the choir and, and, you know, be on all these auxiliaries. It's not a social club. It's a way of life. And that way of life in our entire life, especially according to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that entire life is a life of worship. It's a life of worship. Praise is one thing. Worship is separate. Though we usually combine the two, praise and worship, we forget that there's an and in there, praise and worship. So worship, adoration of who God is the adoration of what he's done, the adoration of his blessings, of his character, not just his hand, but really his faith, that doxa, that intimacy that we receive when we are truly in the presence of God. And we mentioned before, again, also not being a social club, it's not just our activities. A social club is not just somewhere that you go and say hi to your friend that can get together. It's not just what you do, but it's really how you live. And when you have made that decision, when you have kind of gotten those foundations under your belt, then how do we live 
this life when it hurts? How do we still worship God when it hurts? And then I was thinking after I delivered the message that week, well, let's talk about some of the emotions that may get in the way of our worship. But let's kind of uh, go back and look at some things here. So we talked about that. So we understand, and then we understand that we have an enemy. So we understand what our life should be as a Christian. And the reason I say that, let me kind of go back, is if we don't have that foundation of what, I don't want to say required, but what is required and expected of what it means to be a believer, it's really hard to make that transition as in what your response should be. And our response in every situation should be praise and worship. We shouldn't just praise God and worship God when life is rainbows and butterflies and kicks and giggles and everything, is the sun is just coming up rosy. It takes nothing to be able to praise God and worship God for his goodness and his grace when those things are happening in our lives. But what about when they're not happening? How do I still worship God? How do we still worship God? How do I still raise my hands when I'm really mad at my neighbor or we're mad at our spouses or we're mad at our children or our boss or things are just going wrong around us? Maybe we have a family member that's passing away and we're been praying, we've been praying for healing and maybe they know they're not healed yet or whatever it may be and we're angry. How do I still raise my hand to this awesome, powerful, all-loving, all-knowing, I will give you, I will withhold no good thing from you, God, when all I know right now is that I am in extreme emotional pain. I am extremely just done right now. How do we do that? Well, we talked about last week that regardless we must remember the promises of God. And some of this information is literally going to transcend right into handling our emotions and understanding that grief process as we're doing that. So we must understand, one, that the promises of God are true, and we have to apply them in our lives. And then it's that God loves you. The, the Trinity, the Godhead, they love you with an everlasting love. These are things that are a part of God's character. They do not go away. They do not change. It's who he is, and we can't change that. Now, we can choose to not accept it, but it doesn't change the fact of what God said, what he said about us, and who he is. And, again, his promises are true. So, you know, we can go back and listen to last week's show, those notes down, review those scriptures again. Uh, we, we looked at John 15, 18, 25 was one of them. We looked at Psalm 23, verse 91. We looked at 1 John 5, verse 14 and following, which is one of my all-time favorite scriptures on believing God. And we looked at Hebrews 10, 23 and Romans 15, 8. And First Corinthians one verse twenty. Uh, First Corinthians chapter one verse twenty, and a, a number of others that we looked at. And then uh, Satan, we want to look at this way. Uh, Satan wants to distract us, and a lot of times the pain that we go through is usually some kind of loss, a disappointment, a death, 
Right. And when I say a disappointment, it could be a business disappointment, a dream disappointment, uh, an endeavor disappointment. It doesn't matter what that disappointment is. It doesn't matter what the distraction is. It doesn't matter. Sometimes life in and of itself is a distraction. You have the kids, the dogs, the spouse, the the family, the friends, the job, and then you have your dreams, your goals. I mean, there are a myriad of distractions, and they're not always, again, warm and fuzzy. Or, you know, I, I titled this When Life Hurts, but I could also add When Life Doesn't, and we're just distracted. And we need to make sure that we're living our life in a way to where we are uh, constantly in the presence of of God. I mean, even though we know that we are theoretically, but do we really recognize that God sees us, that God sees everything, that we're like Hannah. When Hannah went to the temple and she was just pouring out her heart and just utter praise and and worship to the Lord because she wanted a baby. And she just cried out so much so that she was so outside of herself. She was so free that the prophet, that the man of God thought that she was drunk. Now, how many of us are that free in God? How many of us are willing to lay out before the Lord so much so that someone would think that we're not functioning in our normal capacity. And what did she say? She goes, no, sir, I'm just believing. I just want my child. I just want to have a baby. And the prophet says to her that her, he lets her know that her prayer is answered. And then she commits that child to the Lord after she's raised him and weaned him. Is that not awesome? But her distractions, led her to the altar. And that's what I want to talk about today. When life hurts, what do we do? Dealing with the emotions. The emotions are going to come. So the first thing I want to do is let's go through the grief process. This is one thing, the grief process. A lot of times we're going through something and we're hurting or we're distracted by something in life life itself, and we're going through a process. So for those of us that experience the emotions, you know, it causes us uh, to put us in a place of change. So uh, it, we want to address the importance of the word of God. So what I just picked, you know, some people will break this out into like seven, but it's usually depths of grief. And one is denial and isolation. I don't care what people are going through, they tend to pull back, isolate. And I understand because sometimes we're pulling back to isolate because we want to get our mind right. We want to kind of take a minute and we want to process the information that's going on around us, to process the situation. So I do understand it, but that should not be such a habitual habit to where we're not attending church, we're not attending midweek service, we're not attending our connect groups, we're not attending our women's or men's groups, and we're just sitting in the house, woe was me, and just mulling over like could the situation. 
We are we're in denial of and we're in isolation. But I want to talk about this being in denial. When we allow ourselves, when we're going through the grief process, we have to remember to not allow ourselves to be in denial of the word. Regardless of how bad the pain is, it's not greater than the promises of God. If God said it, he will do it. Now, a slight caveat that I will put in there is if we've done something out of disobedience or if we've done something that maybe we should not have, that pain may seem a little greater because we knew better, and we're going to get to that one in a moment. But I want to encourage you that even in that, God's word, God's truth, God's power, God's anointing, God's favor is still functioning and working in your life. All it means is that we just need to submit. We talked about that last week. We have to submit all of who we are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and say, okay, God, I submit this to you. And it's the same with these emotions that I'm going to list list today that we're going to go through, just a few of them. And then we need to look at anger. And you, we tend to get angry at everybody who we probably should get mad at. But we get mad at people. We get mad at God. And why did God do this? Why did God, why didn't my neighbor or my family member or my spouse or the dog? We blame everybody. And sometimes, not that we should dump on ourselves, but to move through this grief process, to move in a place of worship, to position ourselves in the right place, sometimes we have to go back and we, we need to look at ourselves. Did we disobey the word? Because what this does is it helps us to isolate and understand the source of our problem or the source of our hurt or the source of the situation. When we live under the protective obedience of God, not that trials will not show up or come, but we can identify, wait a minute, you know what, God, in our prayer closet, in our prayer life, we're asking God to search us. Psalms 139, somewhere around the second passage, third passage, around verse 14. Search my heart, Lord. Get ways in me. See, people tend to forget that. It's like, oh, the Lord knows my heart when something's good, but God knows our heart when it's deceitfully wicked. We can't fool God. So we need to just own it. And we need to ask ourselves, God, was I disobedient in that area? Do I, what do I need to do to learn or to grow in that area? What part of this is my doing? Because we know that God is good. And we know that God is awesome. And we know that God cannot operate outside of his character. So we know that. So we can look at the word of God and maybe go to a brother or sister and say, hey, you know, I'm experiencing this or that. Can you give me some insight? You know me. And they'll go, no, I don't, I don't see that. Or, you know, so and so, I think maybe you could do this better or that. Okay, thank you. And we lay that down before the Lord. We repent. Because there are things that we can do in the course of a given day with our attitude, our mouth, situations, driving on the highway, whatever, that may cause us to shift maybe outside of that that right place we want to be. So once we understand that, we can say, you know what, Lord, I'm good, and I thank you, and I praise that you've been covering me, and I've been recognizing things and getting them right. So now we know that that situation is probably going to be a test or a trial from the enemy. And when we know that, 
Now our response is different. Do I really need to be angry at my neighbor? Should I really be angry at my spouse? Remember, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we wrestle not with flesh and blood. So if we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, if we aren't wrestling with really our neighbor, it's the spirit of that person. And I want to read that to you more so because I think that it's very important. So let's go ahead and go over the Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going, I will start reading at the 18th verse and see here. Pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplications. Let's, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. So that just tells us where we should, how we should be aligned. Pray without ceasing, keeping our mind, because God will begin to let us know. But let's start here. Finally, brother, when they talk about being strong in the Lord and then putting on the full armor of God, and we see that in verse 13, but it says here in verse 12, but we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So that's why we need to then, therefore, put on our armor of God. That I hope that makes sense to you guys. You see, so when we stop the blame game, although I understand that we deal with people sometimes and because they're not following the things of Christ, they're not following the things of the Lord, or they feel that they don't need to or have to because they work in a secular environment and therefore they don't need to submit to the word. Well, that's not true. The word of God should transcend every area of your life, you know, but we all grow in different places. And then we want, sometimes we begin to bargain with God. We bargain with people. And and that's us trying to get back to that sense of normalcy of where things once were. And then if they don't move in that direction, we go through a depression. Anger and depression will usually run very close together. And then at some point we accept it. And that's when we usually go, okay, God, I'm back. We're going to do this. I repent. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to do it next time, and we're going to move on in God together. Woo-hoo. And that's where we want to be. That is where we desire to be. So how do we continue to do this? I wanted to talk about some of the emotions again. So we talked about anger as being one of those emotions. We talked about dealing with the emotions of really uh, our pride, being able to submit who we are to the word of God and doing things through obedience. But I really wanted to look at two powerful words today, and one of them is guilt and one of them is shame. And both very important, but they both have very, very, very different means. And I believe, this is my opinion, that one is more damaging than others. And so the first one I'm going to give you is guilt. Guilt is usually associated with an action, something that we did. We feel bad about what we did, what we said. Okay, it's related to an action. I'm guilty. I did it. Um, I need to take it back. I said it. I'm sorry. But shame has to deal with our self-worth. It's a place of humiliation. 
it's a negative place. It's a place that can really cause us to stay in a negative place for so long. It's how could I have done that? How, why am I here? I'm not worthy. Something's wrong with me. I can't do this. It's a place of value, a really anti-value, because it affects our value in a negative way. And we must, again, believe and know that God does not make junk. No matter what we do, God is not an accuser of the brethren. The enemy is. He wants to destroy us. He wants to accuse us. And we, when we look at it with this shame, look when we look at shame and we look at guilt, specifically shame, God uses that word in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. And, but God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise or the weak things of the wise. And I wanted to touch on this because we are not, we are supposed to be functioning as listening to and being kings and queens of the kingdom. But take a look at this verse. I'm going to read it uh, in the, I'm going to read it in two different translations. I'm going to read it in the English Standard Version, then I'm going to go to the New Living Translation. And the reason is is I want you to see the, the different words used to really give you a flavor of what really is going on. So English Standard Version, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And then it says in New Living Translation, instead God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. When we follow the things of God and do things God's way, that is our power. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Our power and our strength and who we are all come from who God is. The world thinks that they have power. There's a verse over, I think it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We talked about it very briefly last week, uh, that God doesn't do things the way that we do things. We are in a position where we want to stay in that close, connective place with God. The strength of the Lord. We go to Nehemiah. This, I think it's verse 810, if I'm not mistaken, but it's in Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You can go to the book of Habakkuk and read about in verse 319. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The, the, book, the, the verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, it talks about the temporal things. See, man is going to build for him self, towers, businesses, and organizations, that are glorifying to themselves, men, man, in general, in that scheme of things. But we are building the things of God. We are building uh, a strong kingdom. That's where we are. That's where our mindset should be, okay? And therefore, we can stand firm. We can stand strong. We have strength that when we're functioning and operating in the things of God, when we do like we said last week, when we know that God's word is true, God's word is powerful, God's word does not lie, 
If he said it, then he would surely do it. If he said that he will promise that he will withhold no good thing from me, even when it seems as though something good is being taken, we must know and understand that God sees what we don't. He sees our future. He saw it. He created it, everything. But we need to align our minds and our hearts up with the word of God. We must align our mind and heart with the word of God. If God, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the world says. I don't care how the world does it. If God said it, there's no such thing as a little white lie. Because of the holiness of God, because of the absolute holiness of God, we, it's not acceptable. It's not, I mean, God forgives it and we can pray that he does and we know that he does according to First John 1, 9, but we don't want to stay there. So, when, uh, how to handle your emotions when life hurts, submit them to the Lord. Trust the promises of God. Understand that you have a real enemy and that God does not think anything bad of you, but he wants to give you a future and a hope, as it says in Jeremiah 29, verse 13. And I suggest you read the last verses after that as well. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, all you have to do is ask him into your heart today right now, and he will be more than happy to come in and fill you with joy and peace like never before. Do it from the quietness of your own home or in your car. Know that I love you. Check me out on Facebook. See you next week. Bye-bye. And grabbing hold of God's promise. Circumstances can't stop me, and neither will they block me. Today I feel unmovable. Nothing's impossible. To walk on water, to calm the sea, to speak to mountains, I can be free just being me. To walk on water, to calm the sea, to speak to mountains, I can be free just Greater is he that is in me.